We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. Let's call this edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast the Legacy Series Extended. The Legacy Series Dance Mix. What, Whatever you want to do, uh, as we put together the most recent episode of the Legacy Series, which looked back at the 2001 National Championship game, which again, uh, 20 years ago this January, I, I couldn't help but find... So many things that were so good from our conversations with Andre Wolfolk, with Josh Norman, JT Thatcher, Torrance Marshall, Teddy Lehman, and Chris Hammonds. I realized we've got to have a full podcast with these entire interviews. So over the next, oh gosh, hour or so, you'll hear from those six Sooners who helped make the Legacy Series episode possible. And you know, I pulled a bunch of play-by-play clips from the game. And the if you dig into our archives, when we had the classic games this summer, the entire OU Florida State 2001 play-by-play broadcast is there. But instead of just kind of chopping things up to, to fit into a certain spot in the podcast, uh, it's probably a good little 10-minute play-by-play analysis with Coach Merv and, and the great Bob Barry and then some post-game audio on the field. It's really cool. So uh, I'll bring that to you uninterrupted as well. So I, I hope you enjoy this, you know, as we continue to grow and, and learn from the Legacy Series. Um, and, and we did this a lot with Jessica's features. You know, for the TV side of things, you'll have a feature that has about, you know, maybe five, six minutes. And, you know, Jess has these incredible, you know, 10, 15-minute interviews. And so much of it doesn't make TV, we would bring to the podcast. And what I found so far in the Legacy Series is we're having to chop uh, a lot to fit into our storytelling. So 
We care as Sooner fans, right, where Torrance Marshall is and what he's doing today, how J.T. Thatcher feels about the current Sooners and how Josh Norman feels when he sees Mikey Henderson out there running around wearing the number three. So I hope you'll enjoy this. We'll just go in, in no particular order as our Legacy Series remix kicks off with Andre Woolfolk. <laughs> um, obviously, having some kids, uh, we have four little ones now, uh, ranging from 13 to 5, basically. Ooh. And uh, I don't know, adapting to being an adult, basically, <laughs> where I have to set my own, set my own schedule. Uh, there's a lot of years of stuff that was planned for me, which I actually enjoy because it makes it a little bit easier to just kind of have a goal set out there in front of you if you do it. So a little bit different now when I'm setting goals for myself. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've talked to a lot of your teammates, and I was talking to Josh Norman a little bit yesterday. And I was asking him – when did you know that this 2000 team was going to be pretty special? And he, and he was talking about the conditioning that offseason, you know, Schmitty coming in and that a bunch of guys were sitting around. It's like, we, we've gone through this hell, boys. If we don't win a championship, we ain't coming back. So when, when did you know that this team had the potential to be pretty special, Andre? I mean, during the offseason, obviously, it was a giant change just because the offseason before that, uh, prior, we had started losing players because the offseason was so terrible and so hard. Uh, so this was the first time like we had an expectation of what the offseason was going to be like, <laughs> and um, then of course we had acquired some some new players and new <clears throat> new people that were eager to get on the field. And I think the eagerness came from we had showed a little life uh, from the year uh, the prior year. I mean, my freshman year we were absolutely terrible, struggling <laughs> to get a win, <laughs> completely completely not competitive in the way that anybody had ever talked about championship or big 12 or national or anything like that. So uh, I think the life of new people, uh, a regiment that's are kind of already set in place that we can literally just suit up and do exactly what Smitty had a uh, had lined out for us, which was terrible. Uh, mind <laughs> you, we didn't know that he was setting the tone. We didn't know he set the tone for like a killer mentality. Um, we just knew that it was definitely different. Um, so I think that whole concoction of things were great. But then until we actually hit the field, we were like, I think we're better. And I think we're good. And I think we've been, like, had a chance to win all these games. But like, will this work out? You know, will this offense get found out? Uh, will the defense get caught up to where we're going to give a bunch of yards and points and stuff? But then every time we were in a game, it just found like there was a way to answer that question over and over again. And every time that a little doubt may have creeped in, something big happened over and over again. And it seemed like it was different people each time. Yeah, man. That's a great way to put it. It's just every single moment, you know, it, it, we've done a film series this year. Where we've gone back and watched the games. And that's a great point. You know, it's you making a big play here. It's JT making a big play. Uh, it's Josh throwing a dime. It's, you know, Torrance Marshall picking a ball off. Rocky, I mean, that's kind of, it, it's the, 2000 was a true definition of complimentary football, wasn't it? Because every, every game, it seemed like it was a different aspect, a different player. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, um, if you take some of the years that some of the players from the years after um, our national championship and some of the teams, you're like, man, how are they not winning the national championship? Every position is upgraded from an athletic standpoint, from a performance standpoint. Like, these players are bigger, better, stronger, faster. How is this not working? And what I will say is we actually believe the guy next to us was going to do his stuff <laughs> like he right. was going to do his job and that accountability was so great in everything just because we had survived the gamut of smitty of course <laughs> <laughs> 
and then <laughs> we had to survive that first. Then we had to survive all the the practices of figuring out, oh wow, I'm a starting wide receiver, and I start on punt team, kickoff return team, and kickoff. They're like, whoa, <laughs> like knowing that that's all going to be in front of you, impossible. And then going out there and performing, like, well, we've already done this next to these guys, and we're not here with a goal of I'll be here for a while and get to the NFL. It's like. No, we're trying to win a championship. Like we're trying to win. Like we're sick of sucking. We are trying to win games, and that was the main emphasis and main point. We didn't have a bunch of guys even talking about the league at that point. To be honest with you, it's kind of funny that you say that because I don't remember who it was. It might have been Seth Luttrell said the exact same thing. Hey, you know, it looks good. Now you look back and everyone remember. Oh man, Roy Williams. He went to the league and he played. And you know, uh, Torrance had a couple years in the league. But truly, it's it's not as if that team was littered at that time. You, you were first-round pick, but not littered with guys who were uh, elite NFL talent. It, it's kind of wild to see it was a true – gosh, I know this sounds corny, Andre, but true brotherhood, right, that you guys believed in each other. Absolutely. It, it's almost like one of those things when you look back and you're like, how in the world did the San Antonio Spurs win so many times when most of what they did was just a collaboration of everybody doing their job? It's similar to something like that where uh, there was a game where Curtis Sagan may have been hot, where Quentin Griffin was hot, or Ronaldo Works come out, comes out of nowhere and has a bunch of runs and touchdowns and stuff like that. And it was, okay, well, that guy's doing good. Let's support him. Let's feed him. Let's block, block, block for him or whatever is going on. It just happened. Or uh, simple things like, uh, of course, I, what I remember a lot, of course, is the bad always has to happen. Every time I had a fumble, which I had two fumbles that year, somehow Torrance Marshall found a way to get an interception in the ensuing drive. <laughs> I have no idea how it happened. <laughs> Not at all. Like, he find, he found a way to get the ball back. But without that, those type of plays and those type of players that are that are like-minded and also accountable for what they're trying to do and job-wise, whatever, then it's really hard to actually to get the breaks when they're coming because you're not individually driven. Even though we all had our individual uh, goals and stuff like that, we're not individually driven to the point where we are only out there looking for ourselves. A couple more to let you get out of here. First of all, you, you mentioned you mentioned Torrance and that, that defense in general and kind of how they played. Uh, we talked about complimentary, but they, they really found another level down the stretch. And I know you guys had been uh, so unique in what offense – offenses were doing in college football at that time and then of course you ended up having a career as a defensive back too but can you can you take us through for you personally when Andre Wolfolk looked at it and said damn we're pretty good would that have been sometime in October I mean red October was that something that stood out to you as far as that run when you beat Texas Kansas State Nebraska yeah the red October was definitely uh, that was a spot where because just because that was the first time I think any of us picked our head up and understood what was going on Great, um, great of point. Of course, we had, we had the Texas game going on. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And then somehow it was the worst version of Texas that we ever <laughs> that we had ever seen at that point. I'm like, okay, that was crazy. So, you know, we go to K-State. I'm like, man, you know, we were in some bad spots getting punts blocked and stuff, and somehow we still ended up winning. And it was kind of handily towards the end. That's kind of crazy. And then the Nebraska game came. And let me tell you, <laughs> like I told you, I said it before. I can't remember what it was. We were down 14-0 halfway through the first quarter, and we were doing math real quick. Like, man, we're going to be down by 70 before we know it. This, this is not going to be good. There's there's no way this is playing out well. And, of course, the defensive guy's like, man, just do your job. Like, we got our stuff. Just do your job. I'm like, oh, okay. Basically getting told to shut up on the sideline. And uh, sure enough, as I spoke that, 
they never scored a point. Another point. Oh, what? <laughs> I, like, I don't know what just happened, but the defense decided they weren't going to give up anything else, and the offense decided we can move the ball now, and everything clicked from there. And then, of course, the game ends, and then the sea of people come on there, and that's the day that I mostly found out where the national championship game was because orange was raining down. I'm like, oh, my God. I guess this is for the national championship game. This is crazy. Like, there's a moment of clarity of, man, you guys are on top, and there's no dodging it now. That's awesome. Um, it's interesting because there's so many times in watching these games to where I don't know if we appreciate it what you and Savage and Fagan did because, you know, again, that, that you ended up making a, a career out of being a DB, but this receiver talent I always think is uh, a little bit underappreciated sometimes. And, and again, maybe I'm, I'm just thinking out of my mind, but Andre, you guys seem to consistently be making plays, and it was unique what we were doing offensively, right? It, it, it was difficult for people to grasp because there wasn't one of us that was – overdoing the next person. Like, you look at it, the stats are like, oh, that guy had like 40 catches. Oh, he had 50 catches. It was just kind of all in the same similar range. It wasn't like a Ryan Royals or a Mark Clayton. Or, it, wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't so specific where the ball has to go through that guy's hands. Like, oh, you shut that guy down? Oh, Trent Smith has 10 catches all of a sudden that day. Or whoever else is going. Like, it was absolutely whoever was doing their job the best on that route, Josh found a way to get up, get the ball to you. The best thing about Hypel, it wasn't – there was never a buddy-buddy system. <laughs> there was never a – this guy is going to get the, uh, the ball fed to him no matter what. It was, what does the defense tell me? What should I do? Let's move the ball. And somehow that always worked <laughs> when we did it. You know, there's times where you try to highlight somebody a little bit more than others, but that's kind of something in game plan or something like that. But as far as kind of pioneering and making sure that – the shift's going or capping and making sure the stuff is going in the right direction. Josh found a way to do that, and it showed through basically a distribution of the balls. I mean, yeah, I think even Quentin ended up like if you just look at his receiving stats, he got the same amount of yards and catches as all the other receivers and stuff like that. Just spread the ball to everybody. The legacy of this 2000 national championship team will never be forgotten. But when you think back in that moment, you brought up, oh, I realized we could be going to the Orange Bowl. Oranges are falling on the field. We might be going to Miami. Helicopter following you guys to the airport, being in that national championship game setting, being doubted. I mean, what was, what was that? I mean, when you look back, what was that championship game mindset like? What was that moment like where you're like, we're playing for national championship? What was that like? Oh, the championship game. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I remember – Distinctly hearing, uh, golly, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the weeks, Miami Hurricanes at the time were talking about how they were supposed to be in the game and how how we play football isn't like real football. And of course, you can't judge Big Twelve versus other conferences and all that stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, what? What are they talking about, man? This sucks. So like, we work so hard to do all these things, and of course, we're hearing about Chris Winkie and how they're going to shred through our defense and all this stuff. And I was like, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, there's no way that we can come out here and lay an egg uh, to the nation, basically. Because at that point, we had start playing in front of game day so many times. I'm like, there's no way we're going out here and getting getting embarrassed. No, no, it can't happen. <laughs> like, I don't care what happens. I don't care if it's a defensive game or if it's a shootout. There has to be a way that we can win this game. And uh, and the whole message was for the entire week. 
was do your job and basically do your 111. You have one job out of 11 people out there to do or to, to actually succeed and win your one-on-one. Make sure you do your job. And as long as you're doing that play-by-play, play, you're fine. And I'm like, man, that's easy to say. But, you know, how does that all come together? And at first, uh, you can kind of tell in the game that it was <clears> – <throat> I think we were both slightly – I shouldn't say nervous. I would say amped up because <laughs> we just wanted to do more than what we really could. Um, but as the game wore on, you can see everybody else getting confident and saying, I'm just going to keep on whooping the guy across the, the line of scrimmage <laughs> and doing my job. And as long as we do that, we can win this game just because it didn't matter how close it was. We knew somebody was going to make the play. So it it was surreal. And still, as I look back at it, I, I wish that I could have took joy during the game, before the game, after the game. I had told somebody after the game, I actually felt empty and lost because I said, I don't have another goal. There's not another goal for wow. the season. We won. We won a championship. And all we've been told is, Let's just worry about this, and then we'll work on the next week when we get there. I'm like, but there's not another next week. So I don't know what to do other than, you know, do the, the yeah, yeah, this is great, but now what? Right. So did, did you find some time to take some joy in it, though, Andre, over time? Over time, I have. And the more people talk about it to me, the more joy I find in it. That's awesome. It, it, it makes it where it's like, you know what? That is extremely hard to do, especially to go there and actually win. Because there's so many championship games. If you ask me the last 20 of them, who has lost on the other end? Other than the ones that we've been the losers, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you who the other team was just because that's how special it is for the team that does win. And we go from Andre to one of the captains. And, I mean, arguably, when you think about off the field, someone that was in a non-football-related role for his professional life – uh, Chris Hammonds might have had the highest profile of any member of that Oklahoma Sooner 2001 national or 2000 national championship. Played uh, played the captain's role. Was there at the coin toss, and we caught up with local attorney, uh, superstar from reality TV, Chris Hammonds. Uh, can Can you kind of take us through how the lessons you learned as a as a an Oklahoma Sooner helped lead you to the successful path you're on now as an attorney and as a reality TV star? Well, sure. You know, uh, I guess I guess it's all life in general, but it's certainly uh, I've always kind of lived by the idea of outworking people. And that was certainly something instilled to us in the Bob Stoops uh, slash Jerry Schmidt uh, uh, era of football. When they first got there, that was kind of what set us apart, I think, was our team's ability to kind of fight through things, fight through certainly adversity and be able to kind of out tough people. We weren't, we weren't that talented. Honestly, we had, we had a few people talented, but across the board, we were just a bunch of kind of blue collar tough guys. And so I kind of, you know, certainly uh, I always give coach Stoops and Jonathan Hayes and Jerry Schmidt, a lot of credit for uh, really setting me back on a, a good path um, you know, I didn't have a didn't have a whole lot of direction at home. You know, my father was in prison. I was kind of been on my own for a long time. And those guys really, in my opinion, set a pretty good example for me and got me headed in the right direction and, and gave me, you know, I don't know, gave me the kind of direction I needed at the time as a young, you know, <laughs> a young crazy man that uh, <laughs> all of us are, you know, kind of these uh, brute force guys. So. 
I think it really gave me a lot of restraint and, and just an idea of, of an example of how to be successful and, and do it and still be a tough guy, but also have some, uh, I don't know, have some feeling about your teammates and, and the outside world too. So it's been, it was, it was very useful to, you know, set me on a good path to, to succeed. You'd been there for a minute, you know, you, you'd been at OU for a while. So you kind of understood the challenges they'd gone through, Chris. So, you know, when you're getting ready to play for a championship, and, and obviously there's the just glad to be here, but you're going to the airport and helicopters are following you. And this fan base is, is frothing because it's never been, or it hasn't been in this position in a really long time. What was it like just the buzz through the players whenever you knew that it was crazy around you right now and everyone was uh, just at a peak with their fandom and excitement? Yeah, I thought it, it, it is interesting, especially for us guys. Yeah, there's you know, Bubba Burcham and the Rocky Kalmus and uh, you know Seth Luttrell, those, all of us guys that have been through kind of the Blake era and losing, you know, winning three games. You know, JT Thatcher's of the world, everybody like that. Uh, there's a number of them, uh, and then to all of a sudden have everybody you know likes you. <laughs> you, know, you know, we were the <laughs> darling of college football all of a sudden. Um, but I think what Coach Stoops was able to do on our team was really close the ranks and make the team uh, very secure. I don't know. It was a secure place. We didn't think about things outside of game to game. And I think that's why you. I think most successful teams see a season as a game each week, one week at a time. You got to go one and zero each week, one and zero. And I think that that's what Coach was successful on. Uh, but there was I, – I can remember the the Big 12 championship when we won the Big 12 championship and after the game, the, the Orange Bowl committee comes in and tells you, you know, you're going to the Orange Bowl. And at the time, I thought that I would feel – I can remember thinking about this. Uh, I thought, well, we won one. They can't take away this Big 12 ring from us. And I thought, okay, that will be satisfying enough. But I can just remember thinking the Orange Bowl – forget this, we've got to win the whole thing. <laughs> and there was no, I mean, no doubt in our minds as a team, everybody always says this because they can after the fact, you know, 2020. But I think we really truly believed there was no chance we were going to lose against Florida State. And that was because, you know, our team was so tight at the time. We didn't really let a lot of the outside influences. Now, we didn't have social media and telephones and all that kind of stuff either. So it was a little easier for us, but that was a. That's how I re- remember it. Is we just were. We went about each week, even the Orange Bowl, very businesslike. Very much we had one goal, and that was to win the game, and then we could celebrate. So many great moments. Nebraska game, Red October, the Texas A&M interception by Torrance. But it was funny because when I came with, I came up with this concept for this podcast. We wanted to tell stories that. You know, Sooner fans are always interested in, but we never really get kind of the, the behind-the-scene details. The coin toss is one of the great stories of this season at the Orange Bowl with Torrance Marshall saying, I'm going to get my boys' trophy. you giving a shout-out to your dad. Can can you take us through that and, and that moment? And did you know Torrance was going to say that? Had you guys thought that that was even going to be something that would happen? No. we Like always, we kind of were – uh, we had a little bit of superstition, so we went out with the same captains pretty much each time. And 
uh, Torrance was – we were certainly fired up before the game. There's no doubt we were about to tear the doors off the place. And Coach gave a great kind of pump-up speech, which he he's not – Coach Stoops was always kind of an even-kill guy, but he, we were fired up. There's no doubt. And we go out there, and it was surreal. You know, we're at the Orange Bowl, and all I could think about was the games that I watched with my dad and brother when I was a little kid, the Orange Bowl, you know, and how that was – so far away, you know, like it, it, the Orange Bowl was like, a, you know, famous football players. And now I'm standing, you know, midfield and there's Denzel Washington was at the coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> and he just come out with like, I think it was the movie, The Hurricane. And I love Denzel Washington. So I was just sitting there going, oh my gosh, Denzel Washington's right here. And then Torrance starts up on Winky. And I was like, whoa, boy, I, this, this thing is really on right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on uh and and i and i agreed with him you know josh should have won the heisman that year and uh and we certainly did our best to get his trophy back so i'd say so did do you remember how winky responded to that or was he just he did, you know winky uh i i i'd sat with him at a function that week he was very much uh you know he was older than us he was right. way more, he was way more mature than us he'd been through like baseball and pros I don't think he let it bother him. I think he probably appreciated it in the moment of, all right, you know, the game on, fair enough, but you're not going to. You know, he, he certainly had an edge about him. He won the Heisman Trophy and done a lot of good things. Uh, was a very good football player. So uh, he certainly, uh, I think, was thinking, wow, these guys really believe they're going to win. <laughs> That's Awesome. All right, so, Chris, final thought, and I'll let you – and I really appreciate you giving me time today, man. It really means so much to me. Um, it, it, take me through your path, then. You graduate. Uh, what Do you then go to law school, and, and how did you become involved in, in Survivor? Kind of take me through that path sure. once you left OU. Sure. So, you know, there's a crossroads when you get through playing football. And, you know, my knee wasn't working out too well. I had kind of a bum knee and uh, really – really was at a crossroads of thinking, I don't think I'm going to make it in the NFL. I would just bounce around, get my head kicked in. So I at first was going to just stay on and try to coach, but then I, uh, I'd always been interested in the law and, and, and especially with my, my father's situation probably took me down this path too. And so I went to law school, uh, made it through there, uh, went out with a firm for a while, but then, I started my own law firm about 10 years ago, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Uh, Survivor, oddly enough, uh, uh, 2000, 2001 error, that's when it started, and I was immediately drawn to Survivor. I mean, it's it's kind of the ultimate game. You've got you've to provide, you've got to fish, you've got to hunt, you've got to have social game, and then there's these awesome physical challenges. And I tried out for probably close to 16 years straight wow. for Survivor. And in about 2015, I finally got a call from a producer and went through this long, it's a very, it's months process of making it through to the next round, so to speak. And then I think it was January of 2016, I'm sitting in my law office, uh, uh, my own law firm, my own building. I'm sitting here working. It's late at night. I was preparing for a jury trial. And, you know, the phone rings from some number in Boston. I thought, man, I better answer that. I hadn't heard from anybody in a while. 
and I'd made it through kind of the finals in LA where you go out there for a week and you interview with Jeff Probst and the CBS executives and all this stuff. And I, I'd been vaccinated, but they said, we'll let you know, you know? And, uh, anyways, get the call at like seven o'clock at night. And they said, you're no longer, you know, an applicant, you're a contestant. And man, I, I was just running around my office screaming, <laughs> you know, uh, about a month month after that you got about a month uh you go and there you are you you just leave you when you land in LA they take your phone my office I had to tell everybody I said I'm going to be gone for about 50 days <laughs> you won't know where I, you know you won't know where I'm at I can't tell you where I'm going and that's it <laughs> and they were like what <laughs> so so no one knew where I was. Uh, my wife didn't even know. I mean, she knew I was going on Survivor, but she did not know where I was in the world. Um, there's no contact the whole time. You're sequestered no matter when you're voted out. And uh, crazy, wild experience. And then uh, a couple of years later, they called me to be on The Amazing Race. And, of course, I jumped at the – it was – that I didn't have very much time. It was a Friday night. I'm laying in bed about 11 o'clock. Phone rings. It's – Lynn Spillman, who used to be the main uh, casting person for Survivor and Amazing Race, and I, of course, answer it. And she says, you know, I want you and this guy named Brett. He's a, a cop from Boston. He was on Survivor, too, to be on the Amazing Race. I said, oh, absolutely. Well, when are we leaving? You know, about a month <laughs> from now? And she said, Tuesday. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I got off the phone. And I looked at my wife and she said, what? And I go, <laughs> Tuesday and she goes you've got to be kidding me (laughs) nope (laughs) so I loaded up packed up and uh, left Tuesday for and raced around the world which was uh incredible it was it was a lot of fun you know that's awesome I really have enjoyed talking to getting to know uh and hearing Chris tell the stories what an incredible life that he has lived and uh man we just uh appreciate everything he's given to the Sooner Nation Josh Norman has had an incredible legacy that he has left, not just as a player, but now as a coach. He is coaching in the Oklahoma City area, coaching at Southmore. And I got to admit, when I had a chance to sit down and spend, you know, 15 minutes with Josh Norman, I didn't want to edit any of it out. So, I mean, I I didn't want to have to cut this down to fit into the legacy series. So I'm glad we're able to bring you our one-on-one with Josh Norman. So I want to start with this. Take me through the path, Josh, from – going as a, a being a Sooner and then playing in the NFL and now as a high school coach. Take me through Josh Norman's path. Shoot, man. You know, after <laughs> I finished uh, there at OU, I remember, you know, finishing in the Cotton Bowl my senior year. Cool. It's and, um, and I remember being on the field like, dang, that's, that's, that's it. What's next? <laughs> I guess I'll give this NFL thing a shot. And, um, you know, was fortunate enough to, to go on and do that. And, um, and then just from there, man, just, um, you know, I moved back to Oklahoma um, and um, got started coaching over at Community Christian School there in Norman. I uh, was there for four years, two years as a head coach, and then uh, got out of coaching for a while to do some um, ministry stuff. And then I got back into it over at Southern Nazarene uh, as the offensive coordinator for a couple of years. Then went back home for Texas for two years, uh, coaching at Midland Trinity out there. And then, um, shoot, uh, May of 2019, I moved back as the defensive coordinator at John Marshall and then was fortunate enough to get the head job over at Southmore. Just finished my first season at Southmore, man. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a heck of a heck of a journey. Uh, met many, many people, uh, made great friends, built great relationships over the years. And um, just super excited uh, for my opportunity over there sophomore now. Well, OK, it's I, I didn't even thought of that. I didn't realize you had gone into the ministry for a little bit, Josh, because you know, I look around that that locker room, and there's a lot of guys who have, have lived a faith based life. You know, Bubba Burcham uh, is yeah. in the mystery. I mean, that was that a major part of what brought you guys together whenever you were in college and in that locker room. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, you know a, a, a big part uh, of a lot of those guys in that locker room was their faith. Um, uh, but you know, even the guys who who, who didn't necessarily uh, share uh, the Christian faith. I think the biggest thing was just our character, man. Like that team had a, a great deal of character uh, throughout the entire locker room. And I've said it often that it takes a great deal of character, um, you know, to be down 14-0 uh, against the number one team in the country and come back and win. It takes a great deal of character to go into Manhattan and, and win. It takes a great deal of character to be down by 17 points for four minutes left at Kyle Field uh, on the road and still come back and win. It takes a great deal of character to go to Kansas City and beat k-state you know i can give lots of examples of uh of when our character came into play um and you know we 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 held each other accountable uh we were disciplined we we had respect for one another and we freaking worked our tails off (laughs) so whenever i was trying to find ways to contact you josh i went through the Southmore website, and I saw the, uh, the 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 manual that you have for the commitment that you need to see and what it takes to be a Southmore Sabercat. I, and I was in awe. It's like, my gosh, in high school, I wish I had a coach that did that for wow. me and showed me how to lead the way. So kudos to you, man. But it's a lot Thank of the you. things that you're doing in coaching and a lot of the things that have kind of led you down that path, does it all go back to Oklahoma and Bob Stoops and some of those lessons learned there? Well, I mean, a, a large chunk of it, yes. Um, I've, you know, I, it, it really hit me, uh, actually, as I was interviewing for this position that, um, you know, every, every level that I played football at high school, college, uh, professional, you know, I played for each, each one of my coaches at, 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 that, at each level was a hall of fame football coach. My high school coaches, a Texas high school hall of fame coach, of course, Bob Stoops. And then I played for Marty Schottenheimer. Wow. And, um, I've I've picked up something from each one of those guys. Uh, I, I I was fortunate enough to just to to play for great football minds, great offensive minds like like uh, like Mike Leach and Mark Mangino, Chuck Long, Cam Cameron, Norv Turner, and so I've just I've I've been able to uh, to just gain a wealth of knowledge over the years, and I pull from each one of those experiences and things that I've learned from each one of those. No 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 doubt about it that um, you know those are huge influences uh, in 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 my coaching uh, career now. Isn't it kind of crazy to look back on that team now? Yourself as a coach. Uh, Seth Luttrell as a as a coach now Josh Heupel as a head football coach you even look at that yep. staff just about everyone that was on Bob's staff went on to be a head oh, coach yeah. that's pretty incredible isn't it it really is man and I, I you know I think that says a lot about who that team was you know the type of leadership that we had on that team uh from you know Josh to Seth to you know even Bubba he was a head coach uh out yep. there in Coweta and um and then all of the other guys you know uh, Brad Davis and uh, shoot, there's so many guys that were on that team who are now coaching, um, uh, and you know, in some at, at some level, and um, 
you know, it was just uh, it was a remarkable team full of great men uh, with high character. And I mean, you know, I, like I can't express that enough, man. Like the character on that team was was astounding. That's awesome. Um, so have have people been hit? Have you been? 20 years, which still seems crazy to me. I was I was a pup covering you guys in 2000, and it seems crazy to me to think that was 20 years ago. Uh, are the memories still fresh? I mean, what's what's it like when you look back and realize the impact that team made? No, man, the memories are, 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 are you know, most of them are fresh. Some have kind of faded, you know. Every every hit you took, you probably lost, lost a couple. But, uh, but no, man, it, you know, it's crazy to think that it's been 20 years. Like it really does feel like it wasn't that long ago. Um, but when you say 20 years, it's like, gum, the kids that I teach in school were not even thought of <laughs> at the time you know, that I was, that we won the national championship and I was playing college football. Uh, somebody pointed out to me the other day, who's, who's just a buddy of mine. Um, I said, you know, I did ministry stuff and it's music ministry, music production and stuff. And so I was working with a guy the other day and, you know, he was asking me about the national championship game. And, and I was like, yeah, it's crazy. It's like been 20 years. He's like, wow. He's like, yeah, I was, uh, I was eight years old when you, uh, won the national I'm like, oh, okay, oh boy. great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, it, it, more than anything, when I think about it, I, as as the years go by, um, for numerous reasons, it just becomes even more special. You know, um, I was I, I used uh, the championship as an example, talking to my own team the other day, just about how um, you know nothing in life without uh, nothing in life worth having and worth keeping comes without hard work. And I used the example of the national championship. I was like, guys, like. We worked our tail off for that, and nobody will ever be able to take that from us. Like, we're celebrating 20 years now. 20 years from now, if I'm still around, we'll be celebrating 40 years, you know? And so uh, it's just, you know, the memories that were that were, uh, that were were um, gained through that time, but more more than that, just the relationships that you that you form during that time is, is, uh, is what makes it um, so cherishable. That's awesome. Two more and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, n- number one, is, is there a moment that when you think about 2000 where it kind of resonates that, yeah, that that was that moment when we knew we were in the midst of something special? Is there, you know, Coach Stoops talks about, you know, after the, the, the Texas game, it registered Red October, a lot of fans like to look back on. But when Coach Josh Norman looks back, what, what kind of is that moment where you're like, man, we're pretty good? The summer before wow. and the UTEP. Wow. Yeah, man, I, I'm a firm believer that like that belief doesn't come when you're down 14-0 against Nebraska. You know, like if if you're trying to find that belief at that time, it's too late. Um, and so, uh, I'll I'll tell this story, and I tell it all the time. But it was after a long, uh, grueling day of summer workouts. I, Coach Schmidt, just put us through the ringer, and we were dead tired. And I believe it, you know, it was probably like me, Andre Wolfolk, Damian Mackey, Curtis Fagan. Um, and, uh, we were sitting there just dog tired and it, it was almost the way I remember it is like, we all had the same thought at the same time, probably didn't happen that way, but somebody said, if we don't win the national championship this year, I'm not coming back next summer, <laughs> you know, cause this is like, if, if we got to do all of this hard work, we better win a national championship or it's, or it's all for not. And so, you know, 
like that mentality, that belief started then. It's like, man, if we're going to put in this much work, like this is worth the national championship, you know? And so, um, you know, and then for me, it was the UTEP game. It was like, you know, we had, and that 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 one in particular was uh, stands out to me because I just lost a, um, an aunt to to um, to breast cancer, oh, and I just attended her funeral and and had to rush back uh, for the game that uh, that Friday afternoon, and so um, you know it was kind of like just it, it, I don't know, man. It was like okay, we're like we we got something special here. And I believe that every week or every, you know, every, uh, you know, uh, week during practice, uh, there were moments in game that just kind of just sprinkled a little more belief on what we already had. And it just kept, it just kept building. And by the time, you know, we get to Texas, it's like, okay, we got, we got a little bit, a little bit more belief. And then we, you know, we go 63, 14 against Texas and they, they shoot, that's a lot. That's a, a whole, whole spoonful of belief on that. And then, you know, you get to Kansas State and you go into Kansas State against the number five team in the country, I believe, or three team in the country, and you beat them, you know, pretty convincingly. Uh, it was a battle at some at, at, towards the end of the game, but then it's a little bit more belief. And then you, uh, you're you down 14-0 against Nebraska and you pull it out, you know, and go 31 unanswered. And that's a whole lot more belief. And it just continued to p- compile over the, over the year to the point that it was like, you know, there wasn't anything that you could say there was not a situation that you could put us in uh, that we we weren't prepared prepared for by the time we were uh, taking the field against Florida State, and there was nothing that you know there was not enough trash talk that they could have. There was not enough um, you know negative uh, comments and and uh, and predictions from the media. Uh, it, it just wasn't enough. Like there was no convincing us that we weren't the best team in the country by that time. Let's go. I'm fired up now. All right, uh, I, I know you're busy coaching, and I know you're getting teamed together. But have you had? Oh, I got ch- time, man. Okay, have you had a chance to watch the new Josh Norman? Have you had a chance to watch Mikey Henderson? Man, when he's running out there with that number three for the Sooners, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks watching him play. Hey man, somebody somebody uh, tweeted that, and I was I wasn't watching the game, man. You know, I was in season. I uh-huh. was, you know. Just I had my I was neck deep in, in trying to win the next football game, and so somebody tweeted that, and I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And they they posted the uh, the video of it. I was like, "Yeah, he's not he's not Josh Norman." You know, <laughs> I was just joking. Oh yeah, I just right. made a joke. I was like, yeah. But then the more I watched him and I understood his his size, and uh, my buddy that I played with, one of my best friends, Jay Hunt. Uh, who, who was with me at OU? He he said it as well, and so I started looking. I was like, "Damn, that dude! I think I got a new favorite player." You know, and so uh, yeah, man, that's that's pretty awesome. And I've actually had the thought that I really want to, you know, go down there when I get a chance and, and and really try to meet that guy and be like, "Man, like, welcome to the club, dude." Whenever I heard Josh Norman talk, I automatically thought, "Can I get my son to somehow play football? And if I can, can I get him to play for him?" What an amazing individual with an incredible story. J.T. Thatcher, talk about a guy who made a difference for that 2000 team and winning the national championship. And I loved his focus in this conversation was a lot about focus. And I hope you enjoy our full interview with J.T. Okay, we're re-watching the season. I don't know if you realize this, but with Teddy, we're re-watching the season. Dude, were you ever 100% healthy in 2000? Because I felt like about every game, you're going all out, you're throwing your body around, you're, you're barely getting off the field. How physically taxing was 2000 for you? Uh, it was 
it wasn't that bad, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, the first game, it was cramps. <laughs> Second game, you know, I got, I got a little bit of concussion. But besides that, I was healthy the whole season. Okay. You know, it, it was just, you know, when you, when you, when you want to win, you, 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 give it, you give it 110%. You give it your all. So that's, that's what it was. So for you, how much, how much of that year – it, 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 when did it click that damn we're really good? When did when did it register that this could be a championship team? After after we beat A and M. Wow. Being down being, being down eleven points going to the fourth quarter, and uh, offense, you know, what I'm saying, do what they did, and Torrance Marshall picking that, picking that pass off. So we had a team meeting, no coaches allowed. You know, what I'm saying, so this is what we're going to do now. If you're in, in. If you're not, get the hell out. Was that? Oh- was that? Oh, I'm sorry. That's me. Was that team meeting after the AM game, or was it before? After. Wow. After. Wow, man. That, so I think what I've realized that people didn't know in that AM game is the fact that you guys had to make another stop, right? Everyone always talks about Torrance's interception and that won the game, but AM was driving, and there was another pick that was I don't remember, I can't remember if it was you or Derek Strait that made a pick in the end zone. That game was something else because they didn't really go away. No, they didn't go away. I mean that that because playing in College Station. I'm going to tell you something. It is not a normal atmosphere because their fans do champ practice Friday nights before the game, and they are into the game. I mean, like on, on the sideline, standing beside somebody, I couldn't hear them talk without they had to yell at me. That, that's how loud their stadium is. Man, that's and when, when, the offense, when the offense is on the field for A&M, you can, you can hear a pin drop. JT, when did you know for you personally how different the Bob Stoops era was going to be? Uh, the because- first – Go ahead. I was going to say, because you live, and, and Coach Blake brought in some incredible talent, but when did you know this was going to be different? Uh, his first, the first day we worked out. Because don't get me wrong, there, there's nothing nothing against the Blair Prince, the string coach before that. Uh-huh. But when he brought Jerry Schmidt in, his Jerry Schmidt's first day on campus, he goes to the cafeteria and looks at the menu, rips the menu up and feeds him, and feed this, feed him this. Uh, this is for, like, not just OU, not just football. <clears throat> he changed the menu for the whole athletic department. Egg whites in the morning, you know, healthy stuff. And, yeah, he's buddy. That's... That happened. Ooh, what are you trying to get hit? <laughs> You're fine, man. And when, and when um, you can ask any player from the Jerry Schmidt era, mention his name, they look at you and be like, shake the head like, that man was crazy. <laughs> but he was crazy in a good way because, you know, I was, you know, 5'11", 217, 5% body fat. I mean, I was not the best shape of my life. You know, when, when Jerry Schmidt showed up, that's when I knew Bob Schultz was legit. That's awesome, man. Um, you, you got it, right? You, you saw what Oklahoma football was all about. So can you take us through what it was like to, you know, you win the Big 12. You're going to the national championship game. Freaking helicopters are following you guys as you take the bus to the plane and, and go to the Orange Bowl. Can you even be begin to describe, I mean, you guys were pretty isolated. You were very much a, a, had that team mentality, but could you not help but notice the fervor and the energy and the buzz that was surrounding this team? The energy was crazy, you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, being there for the first two years, you know, going 3-7 and seven and 5-6, and six, Bob shows up, goes 7-5, and five, and then we go 13-0. And, and then, you know, going to the bowl game my junior year was kind of different, you know, but going to that Orange Bowl and all the media attention, all the – Fans going crazy. It, it was just, it was interesting feeling because I remember we played Kansas State the first time, and the Jim Thorpe Award 
show, Jim, Jim Thorpe comes in the, in the locker room and says, JT, if you had, another, if you had an interception today, you'd be going to Florida for the, for the uh, college awards show. I'm like, well, I kind of missed that. But then again, you know, it was like we, we played uh, K-State second time. We beat them, and then we I, we had practice the next day. And uh, the the media the, the media team at OU was like, JT, you need to get a fit for, fitted for a tux. I'm like, tux for what? <laughs> You're going to a college award show? I'm like, for what? I had no idea where I was going. And so we go to the college award show, and it was kind of cool just seeing all the media and seeing all the other players and seeing Michelle Tafoya and seeing it was weird. And they said, yeah, you're going to, uh, after the Orange Bowl, you're going to Hawaii to pick up the Moses Tupu, especially he's played the year war. I'm like, uh, wow. had no idea, no idea. So but it was just, it was just kind of cool just to be a part of that team. And I mean, I, I, I would love for them to win another one. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I hate being the only team to win a championship in the last 20 years. Because, you know, every year I, I want these guys winning championships so they, they can forget about us and go, through, go to the new players. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's so, nobody's going to forget cool. about you guys. No one's going to forget about you is the great part. Do, do you allow yourself to have that moment to where, like, I mean, listen, holy smokes, it's been 20 years. I, I You know, I was 25 years old and I was covering you guys. You know, I was uh, – I was a green radio reporter, and I remember watching you, and you were like uh, changing – change. you were changing the world in Oklahoma. Do you ever – does it ever kind of blow your mind how – I mean, I can remember things like they're yesterday. and yet, oh, I can too. Right, and it's crazy because you're like, well, holy smokes, man, that was 20 years ago. What's that like for you? Uh, in a way, I enjoy it. That's in a, cool. In a way – I kind of would. I mean, I know we're not going to be forgotten about. You know what I'm saying? But I kind of just wish that people would. Because sometimes when I go to when I go to games or when I'm watching the game on TV or I get text messages or I get people on Facebook saying JT go back get back out to play defense again. <laughs> I don't want to hear that anymore. JT go return punts. I don't want to hear that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. I love it because you know I gave it my all. But I'm ready for. I'm ready for the, the players now. To get the recognition that we got, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I love OU football, I love the fans, I love everything about it. But I'm ready for the players now to get that recognition that we got. Because back in, I'm telling you, we had it was. I'm not trying to be disrespectful Go to ahead. anybody listening. <laughs> We're it was different. It was a different mentality of football back then than it is now. You're right. You're right. You're we, absolutely right. We we, we, we we watched film at 7 o'clock in the morning with the coaches. We watched film at lunch with the coaches. We watched film before we go practice. So we watched film three times a day to make sure that we knew what we were doing when we got on the football field. I mean, if you think about it, look at the Florida State game. Yeah, They had one big play. After that, what did they do? Nothing. Nothing. You know why? Because we prepared for it, and Mike Stoops and Britton Vittables called one of their best games ever. Because they caught I me mean, when you prepare for a game the way you're supposed to, you watch film three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen times before you play the game. Hey, you gonna know what's going on? You know what I'm saying? So I just, like I said, no disrespect to the to the players now, but preparation is the main thing. Okay, couple more, and I'll let you get out of here. Number one. 
you mentioned that preparation. Was that the difference in leading up to Florida State and kind of just looking at that game itself, the pomp and circumstances, everyone talking about Florida State, how, uh, their, their offense, how it's unstoppable. Um, did that drive you guys at all, or was it just it drove of- the It drove the hell out of us. drove the hell out of us. Because, you know, we played Florida State, Kansas State, Nebraska, Kansas State twice, Nebraska, Texas. We were an underdog all, all game, every game. So there's no, there, there was no really no underdog talk, but you thought about it. You thought about it, you thought about it. And when you have Torrance Marshall, Rocket Calmus, Ramon Richardson, Ryan Fisher, Dan Cody, Corey Callens, Dante Jones, Cor- uh, Roe Williams, Mike Thompson, Dave Strait, Derek Strait, Brandon Everidge, and myself. Rest in peace, Brandon Everidge. When you have those guys on the defensive, on the defensive side saying and hearing the media saying you're going to get blown out, well, you saw what the score was. <laughs> we gave him two points, so they didn't even score. Can you begin to describe to us the kind of guy Book was? Because I think that, like I said, we, we've been watching these, and I know it's hard because we lost him, but you know, seven years ago. But can you take us through what he was like as a as a teammate and a friend? He was a hardest pit bull in the litter. He was a funny friend and a loving teammate. Because thinking about it is, here's the deal. Brandon Edwards was all American too. He was he was he was back up to me. So guess what? I had to make sure and play hard every game, so I lose my job. But then again, we played Nebraska. Eric Crouch made me lose my job strap for a couple. Of, you know what I'm saying? So I'll admit it. But the thing about it is, we're not gonna have somebody like that coming behind me and not miss a beat. You know, what I mean, I, I miss Brandon Edwards. I love him to death. I wish he was still here to this day. But he was. Fun to be around, and he cared. You know, he cared about his team. He cared about his teammates, and um, like there's, there's, there's no one you, you can't replace that at all. Without a doubt, the baddest dude on the planet. Whenever the Sooners beat Florida State in the national championship game, was Torrance Marshall went to get his boys' trophy back. Uh, we brought you the full story of it in the Legacy Series, and here's the full story of Torrance Marshall and where he is and what his life is like now. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you know, especially this year since, uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about it and, and bringing it up. And every time you hear that it's been 20 years ago, it's um, it's like, wow, you know, but um, it was uh, fun times back then. Okay, uh, before we get too carried away and talking about memories, take me through what you're doing now, Torrance, where you live and what are you up to? Um, Yeah, so I'm in um, Tampa now, Tampa, Florida. I um working for this uh, company, uh, Trinity Services Group, uh, out here. And I'm also, um, you know, still teaching uh, kids uh, jiu-jitsu, really. Uh, so that's that's what I do in raising a uh, 10-year-old. You know, married and raising a 10-year-old, that's uh, about to be 11, so that's a job in itself. So. Dude, that, that is a job. I've got a, I just had a kid turn 17 on me yesterday. It's amazing where time goes, isn't it? Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. What, had that been something you'd always done and I just wasn't aware of it? Um, no, actually, um, how I um, wound up doing that, um, after I finished uh, playing uh, arena football, um, you know, a year went by and, you know, got a little bit out of shape, gained a little bit of weight. I was just uh, – trying to do something um, other than lifting weights and just hitting the block and running to uh, getting in shape. So um, I started out with um, kickboxing 
uh, started doing that. And at that gym, after the kickboxing class, they always had a jujitsu class right after. And I would always leave, and a coach, which is actually my um, kickboxing coach, would always just, you know, he would ask me to stay, you know, tell me I would like it and doing stuff like that. But, you know, um, so one day I did, and I've been doing it ever since, you know, um, up here in uh, Gracie, Tampa West Chase. Uh, we've been, uh, I've been teaching now for maybe three years oh, and been nice. doing uh, jujitsu now for about five, six, so. It's fun. It's a great discipline, isn't it? I mean, it teaches so many things. Now, a lot of people, Torrance, I'm not trying to, to lay out, but a lot of people will use the jiu-jitsu and combine it with a little striking, and the next thing you know, you're in a cage and you got the gloves on and you're fighting. I mean, you ever think MMA or have you had any guys that have tried it out? <laughs> um, I've had one uh, amateur kickboxing match. Oh, okay. Um, so um, I wanted to um, – I was doing all that training, so I wanted to actually just try and um, go in there and try and get a get a get a fight, well, which I did, and um, you know it was it was it was it was fun. That's awesome. I call I called fights for a while, and it's amazing how many people uh, will will do it as as a, like you just laid. Hey, I wanted to challenge myself and see how it went, and it goes well. And for other people, they challenge themselves. They're like, okay, that's the one time I wanted to do it. Uh, are, yeah. are you staying? Are you staying up to date with Sooner football? Is is football since you? Have moved on. Is it out of sight, out of mind, or is it still a passion for you, Torrance? No, I, I watch um, whatever suitor game I could get down here in Tampa. I try and watch them all. So um, I, mean, I, I still, um, you know, watch watch them guys play and you know root for them and you know. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm not um, too familiar with the with the names and all that of the guys, but you know, I do watch them. Um, every time I get a chance to um, watch them. So I'm pretty familiar, not with the names, but I know right. I know how they're playing, if you, you know, if that makes sense. No, no, I, I, it makes complete and total sense. So you got to be digging now that in 2020 we're, we're bragging on this defense. You know, Big 12, it had been a challenge, Torrance, since the days of you and Rocky and, and Teddy and then greats like Curtis Lofton after you. There hadn't been a lot of talk about this defense, but it's got to be pretty reassuring to see the way that Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, has them playing. Yeah, they they are playing well, um, you know, this year. Um, you know, you could see the the gradual progression that um, Alex is uh, doing with the with the defense, and it's um, you know it, it's it, it, it's great to see that the guys are buying into his system and they're. Um, you know, you know, it's um, one thing to, you know, get into a new system and things like that when when a, when a new coach comes in. So 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 it's always hard for um, you know the guys to buy in, and um, but once they it it, it it seems like they brought into the system, they they know where they're going and they're just moving a lot faster and getting there without doing a lot of thinking. So um, it's good to see those guys playing the way they are. And, um, you know, I look forward to just everything getting a lot better. You know, um, it, it, you know, it seems like um, Alex finally got his feet up under him. And, um, you know, he's doing some really, really wonderful things. We're hanging out with Torrance Marshall. Uh, a couple more questions and I'll get you out of here. When you think about that 2000 team, that national championship run, Torrance, is there a, a thought that comes to mind? Is there a play? Is there a moment that just kind of jumps out at you? Um, just uh 
I mean, just the whole process. You know, I'm not going to say one one particular play here and there um, is what made it um, that season. Um, I'm always going to look at the the whole journey. Right. Um, you know, um, of how everything ended after the Independence Bowl and what we did from that day moving forward until we played the uh, national championship game. Um, you know, a lot of guys worked their tails off, and, you know, the coaches coached their tails off, and, um, you know, we just believed in each other. Um, all that hard work and all that stuff that we did after the Independence Bowl that spring, that summer, um, leading up into the season, um, you know, a lot of guys – well, the whole team brought in, brought into what we needed to do, and we were all on the same page uh, as far as our work ethic, how we were going to approach every week, every game, every practice. And, um, you know, it was just wonderful to see, just looking back on it, um, how everything played out. It, it, was, just, it was just a beautiful thing, it, especially if you were there from the beginning inside the program like I was. I, you know, we were watching the A&M game the other day, and of course your interception. And Teddy talked about, Teddy Lehman, of course, whom you uh, you played with and, and works with us on the radio network and the Sports Talk Network here, said that that was a very challenging, I don't know if you would say scheme or coverage for you, because not only were you responsible for what the running back, but then you had to drop into coverage as well on that game-saving interception. Uh, how, ch- how tough was that to prepare for, and how reassuring and, and amazing was that moment when it worked out on the field at Kyle Field? Uh, I mean... They, um, that particular play, they, they ran in a, ran in a lot and they were real successful on it. Um, you know, they had a good running back in, uh, tombs and their quarterback was really good. And, you know, they had some pretty good, their offense was really, really good that year. So in that particular play, whatever side they were running on, um, they would always, get us get a successful you know um yardage or 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 touchdown out of it so we went into that week knowing that and hell i think we practiced that particular play a lot um (laughs) and um you know i can remember you know a couple times missing it in practice and stuff and um you know coach venable's getting on me a lot about it and uh and uh you know he he tells me he said listen they're gonna run this play and you have to you have to be ready for it when they run it because if you cover it right, the quarterback's going to throw it and you're going to intercept it and run it for a touchdown. And <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> um, you know, um, I, I remember running it in practice and Cope a, a, a few times and missing it, and Coach Venables taking me out. And you know, because that's how important it was. And um, you know, um, so. I just wanted to make sure that I knew that play and, and um, you know, if, if, if the opportunity presented itself, I wanted to make a big play. And, and, it, did. and it was awesome. It was awesome. And, and then twice before I let you go, uh, I've been digging into this. I've been trying to learn more about it. I know uh, it's, it's one of those moments that live in infamy. Had you plan on letting Chris Winkie know you were going to get his boys, your boys trophy from him at the coin toss? No. Um, <laughs> I, no, I um I really didn't um I wasn't planning on 
uh, saying anything specifically to him, but, um, I mean, it was just, you know, a lot of pent-up energy, frustration, um, you know, a lot of disrespect thrown our way at the team. Um, and, hell, by the time kickoff was started, you know, I'm – I was dead ass. I'm sorry about that. I was dead serious when uh, <laughs> about funny. telling. You know, I was just I was just serious about it. You know, a lot of people think that you know I thought about you know thought about what I was going to say. I wasn't I wasn't like that. You know, um, that wasn't to me. It wasn't a joke or anything like that. I didn't say it for for it to be on YouTube and you know a lot of people <laughs> see. You know, I was you know I, I said it because. I meant it, and I knew our team was playing going to play like that. And I wanted to let them know that you know it was going to be a cakewalk the way they thought it was going to be. So it was awesome. You know. I, I was I still like watching it and seeing Denzel Washington out there. I mean, I would have been starstruck. I wouldn't even know what to say knowing that Denzel was out there, right? Listen, I didn't <laughs> know he was out there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't. I was listen. We was we was zoned in as a team. As far as, you know, we were laser light focused on Florida State. And it, 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 I was in the moment, I swear to you, I did not know Denzel Washington was throwing, <laughs> did the coin toss until after the game. My, my, You know, my mom was like, did you see Denzel? I was like, Who? You know, That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't see anybody on the sidelines. You know, they said there's a whole bunch of people there. I didn't see anybody on the sideline. I didn't notice anybody at the coin toss or nothing. So that's how focused I was at that particular moment. And, uh, you know, as a team, I think we were focused in like that, you know, because, you know, we did everything as a, as a team when we were on the field. Um, you know, so – as a team, I think we were laser light folk. We were all locked in a hundred percent. There wasn't anybody that wasn't on a hundred percent. So as far as me noticing people, I didn't I really didn't notice things I watched and even did the coin toss. I really didn't. That's amazing. Torrance, you're awesome. I, I know that I've been bugging you and you jump on on short notice. I can't thank you enough. It's been so fun. Can't wait to see you back around the team again, man, and look forward to talking with you again soon. I'm very grateful for your time today. I appreciate you, Chris. You have a good one, man. You too, Torrance. You See you, buddy. You too. And then finally, I wanted to wrap it up with Teddy. And, you know, Teddy talking about Torrance and how this team, this 2000 National Championship team, not only helped lay the, re the foundation for the resurgence of Sooner football, but when you think about some of the guys who were on that team but didn't necessarily play, you know, the, the Teddy Laymans, the Jason Whites of the world, uh, they were foundational pieces for teams that would make uh, national championship runs over the next uh, 20 years. So uh, here's Teddy talking not just about Torrance, but also a little perspective on the life of book, Brandon Everidge. Yeah, I mean, it was great, honestly. You know, I came from a small town, and whenever I came to Norman, I had no idea what I was getting myself into as far as big-time college football. So to watch those guys do it and do it at such a high level, really, I – I don't know where I would have gone or what I would have ever become had I not watched those guys. I mean, they were the perfect group to emulate the physicality and athleticism and attitude of a guy like Torrance Marshall. 
the playmaking ability, knowledge of the defense, leadership of a guy like Rocky Kalmus. I mean, it, it, it was as a freshman, I was able to watch and say, like, that is exactly what I want to be as a player. So it was great. <laughs> I was uh, Torrance's roommate on the road, which, you know, it's the odd couple. A uh, guy from Miami, Florida, and a kid from a small town in Oklahoma. We couldn't have been from any more opposite areas. But to be able to, to be around him, watch his preparation, watch how much it meant to him, uh, watch just kind of the aura and the attitude that he, he was. Like, when we watch, like, the old movies of, like, the Mike Backer on a football team, being the biggest, strongest, toughest SOB on a football team, that's exactly what Torrance Marshall was. <laughs> so he's like, it, it's middle linebacker personified right there with Torrance. So to be able to tag along and watch that happen throughout the 2000 season was, was really awesome. When, it's kind of cool because every single person has kind of had like a different moment where like, holy, holy smokes, this is special this year. For you, when, when was it whenever, you know, you're – you're a freshman, and you're in the midst of this. And I don't, did you come in and do? You did all the off-season stuff, right? With with Schmitty, did you? Yeah. Okay. So what was what was that moment where you're like, "Holy smokes, this team is beyond just good. This is a potential championship team." I think it all really hit whenever the Nebraska game, whenever the oranges started flying onto the field. Dude, that's what Andre said. <laughs> yeah, because it's like. Up until that point, it's just like head down, grind. Are we good? I don't know. I feel like we're good. I, I think we're good. I mean, we've won some good games. I mean, it, it does have that feeling, but you didn't know, and you really didn't know what that held until people started throwing, you know, oranges on the field, and it's like, oh, that's where the national championship is this year. People think that's where we're going. Holy crap. I mean, it was – yeah, it, it was that moment right there, that Nebraska game. That was the time whenever all of a sudden this team, I think, finally took a look at themselves and said, uh, we're pretty good. We can win. We can beat anyone that we're, we're lined up against. That's Dude, that's so crazy because Andre Wolfolk said when they started throwing oranges on the field, I was like, oh, I, I guess that's where the championship is this year. That's crazy. All right, so I, don't, I, I was going to write a little thing on book and – you know, uh, JT told me a little bit about – JT Thatcher talked a little bit about it. I didn't realize he was JT's backup. You ended up playing with Brandon Everidge for more. I think he's the only guy that has passed on from that 2000 team. So can you kind of take us through what, what Book was like as a teammate and what he meant to you as well? I mean, Book was a ferocious competitor. Um, I mean, he – he had pit bulls and that's like kind of how you think of him is he was a pit bull because in one second he is lovable and laughable and everyone on the team wants to be around him, wants to talk to him, wants to see what he has to say uh, on that particular day. But whenever it came time to get angry, he got angry and was as, hard a hitter as I've ever been around. I mean, soaking wet, he's 205 pounds probably. And he would, he would bring it against anyone. doesn't matter the mismatch. The forehead is coming at full speed. So he, he was scared of no one scared of, of no environment and just like 
pretty much everyone that played on a football team with Brandon Everidge, he was their favorite teammate. For the coaches that coached him, he was their favorite pupil. It's it's just the kind of personality that he was. And he, he was just a little bit different from everyone else on the team. I mean, he just had the had the the uniqueness that you just didn't see from a bunch of players. And he could do absolutely everything. He could be relied on in any moment of any football game. Uh, just you cannot say enough about Brandon Everidge and, and what he meant to this program. I mean, to me, that really got the ball. I mean, I know everyone talks about Roy during that era at safety and what he brought to the, the position. And it's absolutely true. And I, in no way am I taking anything away from what Roy accomplished. But if you go back and you watch, Brandon Everidge is the constant on the back end. He's the guy cleaning up trouble. He's the guy cleaning up missed tackles. He's the guy flying around from that, that center field position, making plays on the football all the way over on the sideline. You know, thank God that Brandon Everidge played in the pre-targeting era because I don't know that we ever would have watched him play a full football game. That's the toughness and energy that he brought to our team. So there's the full interview from Andre Wolfo, Chris Hammonds, Josh Norman, JT Thatcher, Teddy Lindman, and Torrance Marshall. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Now, here you go. The play-by-play calls from about as, uh, as, as early in the game as we could bring you throughout. Just uninterrupted, nonstop breakdowns of Oklahoma and Florida State. Enjoy it. Now, remember, if you want to hear the full game, it's available in our archives, Soonersports.com slash podcast. You can scroll back through. I think, I think it was one of the uh, first ones that we dropped in our uh, classic game series. You can check that out. But right now, here's some of the great highlights. Defensive back by trade, and we're about set to go, Murr, with this national championship game, Oklahoma versus Florida State. Right now, those players are kind of wasting energy trying to lead the crowd. I think the crowd's doing a fine job. <laughs> and the place looks full. I don't see an empty seat anywhere. Uh, I don't think there's been uh, an empty ticket for a long, long time for this one. We're waiting for Doug Honig, the referee, to signal, and he does. Or actually, that's the umpire, Jim Augustin, who signals. We're ready to go. And the Oklahoma Sooners kicking off to Florida State. Here's the kickoff, and the flash club's flash, and it's a high end-over-end kick into the end zone about five yards deep. Gardner will touch it back. That's Coleman Gardner. So a nice kickoff to start it off for the Sooners, and Florida State starts first and ten from their own 20-yard line. Quick drop pass, tipped in the air and incomplete. Knocked down, I believe, on the left side by Corey Heineke. He's done that all year. I almost wish he hadn't tipped it. Straight was out there in the intercept position. Bobby was in great position out there. Third and six. Shotgun. Winky back to pass. Left plenty of time. Pump fakes. Pulls it down. Rolls to his right. Heineke is chasing him. And they'll sack him. He gets away. Now they get him at the 32-yard line. Corey Klein finally finished him off. Well, Merv, that has to be a coverage situation there. Winky had all day, and now a little extracurricular activities as uh, one of the Florida State linemen, Dorsey. He's just chatting with his old buddy from Florida Marshall, yeah. <laughs> Wolfhook is actually in the backfield, along with Griffin on either side, and now they shift, and Mackey, Savage, and Wolfhook go wide left which is the wide side of the field. They're struggling, getting lined up. Back to pass is Heupel. 
He rushes forward. He races up. Quick pass. Caught the 25, 30, 35. Wolfolk to the 40. And he fumbles the ball way upfield. And there's a pile up at the... And uh, Florida State appears to have it at the Oklahoma 47. But that's what Florida State says. Let's see what the officials say. They got it. So the pass was completed at about the 25. And he broke upfield. Cut back toward the middle and was tackled hard. And the ball went knocked out and recovered by uh, Cleveland Thomas at the Oklahoma 47-yard line. Most unfortunate there. The defensive uh, player did a real good job of stripping the ball, I think. Uh, Under center is Chris Winkie. High formation, fakes the handoff, play action, fires a pass, intercepted at the 35 by Torrance Marshall at the 40. He cuts to his right to 44, <laughs> to the 45, he hits his own man and knocks he hit Derek Strait, who got in his way. Did you see Ante hit that guy? <laughs> but Derek Strait got in the way of Torrance Marshall and knocked him down. He threw it right to Torrance Marshall, so turned uh, turnovers back-to-back, -back, Murph. What about that? Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> we got the second one. That's what's so good about it. I tell you, Ante Jones drills somebody. I hope they, hope they put it on a replay for <laughs> people watching on TV. <laughs> Gets the snap, backs up, looks, fires, caught at the 38. That's Norman to the 25-20, to the 15, to the 10-yard line. Josh Norman made a catch on a bullet pass from Heifel. And a gain from the 45 down to the 9-yard line, 36 yards. First down Oklahoma, their first in the game, by the way. The fake to Ronaldo works. Heifel rolls right, throws a pass, dropped by Trent Smith. Right in his hands at the 6-yard line, he dropped it. Well, the Sooners have dropped two passes. Savage a moment ago, and Trent Smith right there. That, uh, you have to consider it nervousness or something because those guys usually don't drop those passes. Oh, uh, you've got to catch those. I will say this. Heifel really looks sharp throwing the football. He's, I think, in practice, he has a tendency maybe not to throw the ball as hard as he's thrown on the last two or three plays. Those aren't impossibly hard at all, but I think he's catching his receivers just a little bit by surprise. Patrick Fletcher will hold. Slide angle to the left. This at the south end zone. Snap. Ball down. Kick booms through there, and it's good. Sooners on top, 3-0. On a 27-yard field goal. 7-16 to go first period. Timeout. This is the Oklahoma Sooner Network. Wide receivers to both sides. Winky, a deep drop. Good protection. Rolls to his right. Out of the pocket. Pump fakes. He's being chased, and he's knocked out of bounds short of the first down. And he was knocked out of bounds by Dan Cody, freshman. Boy, who turned on the speed and got Winky before he could get to the first down marker at the 30, knocked him out at about the 27. How do you like that pair of freshman ends, Bob? <laughs> Pretty good. Cody and Wilgerson, they looked good on the last two plays. Shotgun formation, Josh back to pick. Shovel pass complete to the 40, 45, 50. Griffin down to the 45 and down to the 44 yard line. Oh, they set him up beautifully for that as Quentin Griffin turned on the speed after he made the completion at the 45 in Sooner territory, got another 10 out of it. So a gain of about 12 yards in this, well, maybe more than that, to the 44. Minute and a half to go first period. Blitz is on. Hypo, close left, throws a pass, caught by Mackey at the 28. He's down across the 25. It's a first down at the 22. Hypo really doing a great job with his passing, and he's so accurate. Well, he had no backs in there, so he had Play clock at three, play clock at two, and he gets the snap away just in time. Back to pass, Heifel retreats very deep, throws a pass, it's intercepted at the nine-yard line to the 10, to the 15, to the 20, and that's 
Tate, Tate, Cody makes the interception. Wolfolk brings him down, and that's help from Kempenick at the 27-yard line. Wow. Kind of forced that one and threw the interception, and that ends a possible sooner drive, which had picked up four first downs. They started from their own 27, got as far as the 15, but the INT turns it over. That one really hurt, Bob. He has he had as fabulous a drive to that point as I've ever seen him have, and he got just a little bit greedy at the tail end of that. He kind of meshed up improperly with the running back, which threw him off rhythm, and then he got outside, and he should have just thrown it out of the end zone. There's the snap. Winky aims on a handoff to Miner. Finds a little daylight, and then a great tackle one-on-one -on -one by Derek Strait at the 45. Looked like he was going to get some uh, running room around the right side, but it was a great tackle one-on-one -on -one by Derek Strait, who is a super tackler, and it gets only a yard of the 45. Sooners are doing some interesting things with the secondary, Bob. I'm sure you've noticed Satcher come running up. It's not really a blitz, but he's positioned himself right near the line of scrimmage, a linebacker, and they're bailing some other people out. I think that this is an effort to try to, uh, you know, keep Mr. Winky thinking and uh, keep him trying to figure out just exactly what they are playing back there. But it's maneuvers we really haven't seen out of the Sooners this fall. Third down. Hey, Morelli will try the field goal. Excuse me, Merv, and it's uh, from this distance. He is four of four on the year. No angle. He's right in front of the goalpost, the south end. Snap, ball down. Kick is a line drive, and he missed it off to the right. He line drive a terrible kick, really. Well, that's something. You don't see that too often because he just shanked at something terribly, and I hate to use that word, being a golfer, but it went off to the right side, and it wasn't even close to being good, and it's a 3-0 sooner lead with 7.5 to go second period. How about them apples? Uh, that's, uh, that's a big, big sooner play. Maybe a little bit of that magic. Who knows? Back deep to receive is Clement Thomas. Fumbled it last time. Here's the snap, the good kick. A bit of a line drive again. Thomas takes it to the 36-yard line. And a great one-on-one -on -one tackle by Wolfolk. Andre Wolfolk with a one-arm tackle. Got him down at the 38-yard line. Pitch goes to Miner, sweeping left. Whoa, he is <laughs> Rocky Kalmus straight at him. Well, just knocked him backwards, really did. Straight had hold of his legs, I think, too, Bob. They really clobbered him. He, he got just back to the line of scrimmage. And we're about set to go for half number two of the national championship game. 30 minutes of football left, and the Sooners lead it 3-0. Here's the whistle, and here is the kickoff to start the second half. End over and rather short, taken at the 10 by Savage to the 15 of the 20. Cuts to his right at the 23. He's to the 25, 30, 35 up the sideline, 40, and banged into the Sooner bench. Out of bounds up at about the 46-yard line. 31-yard uh, return for Antoine. That's wonderful play by him. We'd had a near clip right at about the 39 or 40-yard line. I don't think it was a clip, but I was scared to death some official might think it was a clip. They're marking the ball at the 46, as we called it, in Oklahoma Territory. Shotgun third down three from the 47 in Florida State Territory. Three of eight on third down conversion. Savage in motion from right to left in the slot left. Heifel. Shotgun, back to pass, fires it, caught, first down, Sooners at the 40. Andre Wolfolk, well, that was a bullet pass. Now, this will be a 37-yard field goal attempt by Tim Dockenden, a 27-yarder before. And from this distance, he's 5 of 7 on the year. I'd love to see him fake it here, Bob. Let's see what happens, snap, balls down, kick is in the air, certainly long enough, and no good. No good. 
So the ball will be brought back to the 20, which is where... And the Sooners still lead 3-0 after a nice drive, but no points, and we'll take a timeout. It's uh, 8.01 to go third period. This is the Oklahoma Sooner Network. Chris Winkie under center, turns, pitches it to Miner. He's hitting the backfield. A great stop by Roy Williams. Who else? He got in and knocked him down after he lost a couple of the 24 from the 26 back to the 24. Oh, Roy, how many times has Roy Williams done that this year? He's something else. He really is. Josh Norman and uh, Mackey come out. Ronaldo works and Seth Luttrell in. Six of 12 on third down conversions from the Oklahoma 35. It is third and nine. Shotgun formation. They're showing blitz. They rush four. Josh Heupel steps up. He looks. He's still looking. He throws a long pass down for Thatcher. It's caught at the 30. That's Fagan it is. Uh, Fagan not at the 30-yard uh, line and leaped in the air, made a tremendous catch, and comes down at the 26. Chris Hope on the tackle. We call it Thatcher, who's only on defense. <laughs> and it was a great catch as jumping high in the air was Curtis Fagan. 39 yards on the biggest play of the game and a rocket pass from Heifel. We see the replay, and Fagan made a great catch. You got the impression maybe Josh was throwing it away almost. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, uh... Wow, Fagan, that was uh, really something to see. Two of five this year from this distance, 42 yards. The snap, the ball is down. The kick is in the air. It is long enough. It is good! He hit it, the center's lead by the score of six to nothing with 4.24 to go in the third period. Wow, Tim Duncan hits a 42-yarder with 4.24 to go in the third period, and Oklahoma leads by the score of six to nothing. Here's a third down play from the seven. Need to get about to the 16 for the first down. Shotgun formation, Winky with a blitz on. Blitzing, they throw a pass, and it's thrown away as the center's blitzed Winky in the end zone, and it'll be three and out for Florida State. Ante Jones with a great tackle on that punt, and Ante Jones with a blitz there. He has been a factor tonight. He really has, and Strait was in great shape out there on the coverage. Uh, he was just exactly where he needed to be. If they hadn't thrown it away, Strait was there for the pick. So it's a third down play. Here's a big play, Murr. Third down and 10 from the Oklahoma 35. Yeah, of course. Behind Bob, they're in four down territory. It's a deal where they... Oklahoma has six defensive backs in there. They have it... A... High formation, Florida State, Winky, takes a handoff, back to pass, throws a pass downfield, oh, away, oh. almost intercepted, Brandon Everidge had it in his hands and couldn't hold on to it, intended for Atris Bell, and it's fourth and ten from the Oklahoma 35. This could be one of the biggest plays, if not the biggest play of the year since the national championship game, the ball is 35 yards away, we realize that. But a first down, of course, keeps the drive alive, and uh, the Sooners have only a six-point lead here in the fourth period with plenty of time left, 12-14. And here we go. Let's see what develops. Atlas Bell goes to the right, as does uh, Tyler Gardner. Wide left is Bolden, and Winky's in the shotgun. Showing blitz, but I don't think they'll blitz. do it. Let's I don't, see what happens I here. I don't think they'll blitz. Yeah, they do. And here comes the blitz on Winky. He pump fakes. He steps up. He has a man in the open. And it's tipped oh, away. Oh, a great play. Straight. Straight. straight knocked it away from Bolin at the two-yard line. And it's it. Sooners take over on downs. 
on a big defensive play by that fella, number two, who's number one right now. <laughs> Derek Strait. Wow, that's something. Uh, he's uh, he's had him one fine ball game tonight, Bob, in a lot of ways. Here's another one of those third down plays from the Florida State 10. One of 12 on third down conversions. Talman Gardner is in the lineup. He goes wide to the left side along with uh, Atris Bell. Two wide receivers right. Bolton and Walker. Here it is. Third down and from the 10. Showing blitz. Here's Jonte Jones. <laughs> he gets away from Jonte Jones. He runs upfield. And he has fumbles the ball. And the Sooners have it, I believe. Yeah. Roy Williams, Williams has it. it at the 15-yard line. It was not free, I think, by Barry Holloman. What a play. As Winky scrambled, Ante had him. Looked like he was going to sack him. Winky ducked under the, the arm tackle and uh, ran with the ball. And then he was hit. I think Holloman caused the fumble, and the Sooners have it at the 15-yard line in Florida State Territory. Wow. Terry just told me that they owed us a turnover, Bob, and I <laughs> guess he knew. Roy Williams. Wide receiver, wide left, one wide, two wide receivers to the right, shotgun formation, Latrell and Griffin on both sides, handoff to Griffin, down the middle, to the five, down the right, right down the middle, touchdown, untouched, a 10-yard touchdown run by Quentin Griffin, his 17th of the season, and the Sooners go up by the score of 13 to nothing, if they get the extra point. <laughs> Right at this moment, it's 12-0. They may be thinking about uh, two, but I think it'll probably be one. Holy mackerel, what a run, Murr. We've seen Crenton do that a number of times this year from about that area on the field, Bob. Travis Miner, the running back. Go lightly is also there. Go lightly to Winky's right. Shotgun, third, fourth and 13 from the Oklahoma 40. Winky gets the snap. He's back to pass. Three-man rush. A pass is thrown. It's dropped. Intended for Miner out of the backfield. The Sooners take over on down. Threw it too high. And Oklahoma takes over on downs at their own 40-yard line, leading by a score of 13-0 with 6.21 to go in the fourth period of play. Shotgun formation. Calmus is showing blitz, but he does not. Back to pass is Winky. He throws a screen pass. <laughs> Torrance Marshall all over Tolman Gardner, who made the catch in the backfield, and he was creamed immediately at the lost five yards since fourth down and 15 from the 15, and Florida State will be forced to punt, it appears. What a defense. 242 to go. Incredible defense, Murr. It's just been, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I cannot fathom it against Florida State, Bob. Second down, 10 from the 30-yard line. 24 ticks of the clock to go. Winky gets the snap. He's being Hallman's held. Oh, Hallman was just held, absolutely held. And the Intercepted. Sooners intercept, and that'll cap it. Oklahoma picks it off. Who got the interception? Thatcher, I think. Thatcher and Ante are hugging each other. I'm not... And uh, Ante Jones, and now Coach... Stoops is uh, hugging uh, Ben Painter. And I think the coach is going to get a bath here in a minute. <laughs> he, he deserves <laughs> one. 
They held Barry Halliman big Oh, they sure that did. Play. That was very, very obvious. I'm still not sure who made the interception, and, and Coach Stoops did get a, a bat. Here it is. <laughs> Here we see a replay. I think it was on, say, Jones. Boy, would that be justice. Yes, it was. Ante Jones makes the interception. And the Sooners have 16 seconds to win the national championship of the year 2000. So and much for the BCS controversy. <laughs> Incredible. Florida State and Miami, I mean, and Washington and wait another year. Unbelievable. Sooners will take a knee, and, I, and uh, that's it. And Hypo turns to the crowd and pumps his fist as the time will run out. And the Sooner fans pour on the field. The police trying to keep them out. Uh, it's four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second. Oklahoma wins the national championship. All right, Oklahoma wins it. Oh, man. 13 to 2. Incredible. Great performance. Burr, absolutely outstanding. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just, just great. I, I just can't say enough about the coaching job that those guys did and the way those players played. Can you believe that? Shut them out except for that safety and uh, just a great job all the way around for the Sooners. You got to quit selling this team short, don't we, Bob? That's absolutely right. Wow. Just uh, words just failed you time like this. Just incredible. And look at the Sooner fans. They're still in the stands there. Uh, they're going to be there for a long time. And uh, it's just a tremendous effort. The only undefeated team in college football, 13-0. No one gave them a chance. 12-point underdogs. They come in here and shut out Florida State except for a safety late in the game. The seventh national championship for the Sooners. And there is, uh, we see on the replay, Mr. Hypo, Hypo's uh, sister, and there's Josh being escorted off of the football. Well, the center is just, uh, it's just incredible. They, this is something the rest of their lives. You know, you're never going to, you're never going to forget this. No, 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 no. And, and what they poured into it, the way they prepared, uh, I've never seen as focused a team in their preparation. And that, of course, is a tribute to the coaches and the players. I mean, they got the job done. They're setting up the stands in the in the field for the presentation of the national championship silver football presented by Sears. They uh, brought it around to the TV stations in Oklahoma City, and I had a chance to actually pick it up and look at it, and we showed it on TV, and it's a beautiful thing. It is very heavy. They held the... Uh Great Florida State Seminoles without a touchdown, Bob. I tell you, that was a... Never I, got close never to Never got a close to a touchdown. No, I was no. checking my stats here, trying to see their deepest penetration. I believe... Uh, Probably prior to the first field down. goal they missed, I would say. Right, that, that is the deepest penetration. That was at the... Uh, I'll find it here. 13-yard line. That's the closest they got. And now the players are coming over to the, the fans and some fans jumping out of the stands and the policemen are saying, don't do that. Rocky, how's it feel, pal? Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, couldn't be sweeter, you know. Earned all the respect around the country now. I tell one. you what, this was an incredible defensive performance. How many changes and adjustments? What, what was the main key 
to stopping Florida State? Well, I, I think we only have about one adjustment. I think we're just going to switch it up a little bit. But other than that, our DBs played a heck of a job against their uh, you know, talented receivers. We got pressure on Winky, made him throw a little, couple of interceptions and give him happy feet back there. Really had a great game plan. We, we knew if we executed it, we could, this, this outcome would happen. What's this feel like, man? Oh, it feels good. Well, right now, I'm just tired, man. I left it all out on the field. So did everybody on the team, you know? We just we just came in real focused and we was all determined. Man, I'm just happy for the team right now. I'm, 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 I'm lost for words. Now, let me ask. Here, here's Mer Johnson. Hey, Roy, all I, all I can say is congratulations. You guys do the best job of carrying out a plan. I know you meet and work and study. And you play like heck when you're out there, but you execute. Don't you feel that way, that uh, more than anything else, it's the execution the defense has? Yes, sir, Murray. We went out there and executed Coach's uh, game plan, and uh, when you do that, good things happen, just like Coach McTell us all year round. Once again, the happy total for the national championship, Oklahoma 13 and Florida State 2, Sooners national champs. This is Bob Barry. Good evening, everyone, and this is the Oklahoma Sooner Network. Hey, if you like this, leave a five-star review, um, please, on Apple and iTunes. Texas fans are getting in there and bringing our ratings down. Let's go. And uh, I hope this is something that you guys enjoyed because it was fun to put together. It was fun to relive. It was fun to remember. Uh, and it was just it, – it's a team and it's a time that will never be forgotten. If you want the abridged version, the abbreviated version, please check out our Legacy Series, which dropped three weeks ago. It's one of our most downloaded podcasts. There was a lot of uh, hard work that went into it, and I hope you guys will check it out. Until then, thanks so much for downloading, subscribing, and listening to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Don't forget, tonight we'll have the post-game show from the OU Kansas Hoops game. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.